Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. And how did that kid go to helping kids in the slums of Uganda and working at an elite camp in Egypt? All those kids' parents run stuff in Egypt. Um, that's my wife and I on camels in Egypt, to scaring people's children in Colombia, to singing at Radio City Music Hall, to singing at uh, Barclay Center in New York City, to singing at the United Nations. Um, that was at Winnie Mandela, who's Nelson Mandela's wife. That was her memorial service at the UN. So I got a chance to do that. And of course, my wife has a degree in African Studies and Human Rights, and that's a South African ambassador who gave her like five pounds. He was an overpounder. He just pounded, pounded. So some, some people give you too many high fives. It's like, you've given me enough high fives today. <laughs> he just kept pounding. And then that's a friend of mine. Eli's one of the best guitarists in the world. Um, then I found out that there's a cowboy inside of me that I <laughs> never knew, which is why I'm wearing boots. And that's us on a boat with a statue in the background. And that is the puppy personification of my wife and I. (laughs) So I'm kind of like, oh, let's give them a hug. She's like, they might cut you. I'm like, but they seem so nice, but they might cut you. Like, let's trust them. No, we better check them out first, all right? That's me again uh, when my hair was bigger and my stomach was smaller. Don't laugh at that. And then I had an opportunity to start this organization 10 years ago called Elevate New York. And what we do is we work, with the poorest, we work in the poorest congressional district in America. And we teach in a public school. They give us an, an actual classroom. Let me take this off so that stops doing that. I'm from Louisiana, so I'm always cold. Um, and we teach these 13 character qualities and life skills, what uh, kids need to learn for success, vision, courage, respect. You can see them there. And uh, we do it in four areas. We do a daily classroom. Um, that's taught as an elective. And then we teach those high school kids to go and teach what they've learned to third through sixth graders in the community. Then we take them to boardrooms in Times Square, do after school mentoring, get them out in nature so that they can apply what they've learned in the classroom and we get them ready for post-secondary. Some of it's, it's college for some kids, but it's not for everyone. So that's our classroom setting. I'm not happy with that kid. That is my not happy with that kid look. Um, that's our high school kids teaching uh, elementary school students in the neighborhood. What's really cool is when the kids who were the elementary school kids are now in our high school class and they're going back and giving back at their elementary school. That's us at a billion dollar company. So the, the deal is, is um, Tavis Smiley said this, kids are like old Polaroid film. They don't become fully realized human beings until they're exposed. So what we do is with the relationships I've built in New York City, we expose them to things that they would never, they would never have a chance to, to, to experience. The girl right in the middle uh, in the gray, Farah, she was at that camp in Egypt when she was 12 years old. And she came with us that day because she was doing a, a, uh, an internship at the UN. So it's pretty cool when you, start, when you work with kids since 1987, how you get to see them grow. Um, so we do stuff like that. We take them to, to Mets games, then we take them to Yankees games so that we don't get you know, hurt by anybody. You got to keep it even. Um, <laughs> these are kids at, at our Harvard conference that we do, and that's in the freshman dining hall at Harvard. It looks like Hogwarts because Hogwarts is based off of that. Um, 
And so we do this trip at Harvard. It's a Latina Empowerment and Development Conference. The first two years I brought boys because I didn't understand that Latina meant women, not boys. <laughs> and so, but we figured it out, and so we only bring boys now. Uh, I mean girls, girls. And then, and so the boys got mad at me, so they said, we need to do a Harvard trip for boys. And so now we do a Harvard trip for boys because of the relationship we have with a, a professor there. And my dad, when my dad passed away, he had a place here in Pacific Palisades. And I only saw him once a year as a kid growing up. But when I understood, did I lose my mic? Did I lose my mic? Did I lose my mic? All right. Um, but when I understood what discipleship and mentoring was, I began to reach out to my dad every time I would come to L.A. for conferences or fly through L.A. to go uh, and speak around the world. My wife and I, I've spoken to 3.5 million kids in 20 countries around the world. We've been to, what, 22 countries together, something like that. And uh, so if I, was, if I was flying somewhere through L.A., I would stop and talk to my dad. I would reach out to him because I realized the kind of relationship that I could have had with him if he knew how to build relationships. Unbeknownst to me, uh, we're going through, when he passes away in 07, we're going through his, his house, settling his estate, which I didn't know what that was at the time, and we find this. He left my mom in, in 66, and he went to Harvard in 69. So my dad was this pioneer. And so it's pretty cool because the money that he left me in his will and his trust, I use that money to do research and development for the company that I run, Elevate, the nonprofit. And then every year we take the kids back to that school, right? That, and we have a chance to do that because of the money he left me based on the knowledge he learned there 40 years ago, right? And it's a pretty cool story to, to, bring it, to turn it all around. So, so this is the kind of stuff I do. Um, and my dad was trying to overcome this. I'll preach on this another time, but just keep that in your mind because my dad is a descendant of the people who came over here like that, and so am I, right? And so the, one of the reasons I do what I do in Elevate is because our government, uh, as long as I've understood politics or what a president or what Democrat and Republican, I've never seen a real biblical uh, solution for restitution for this. Because in the Bible, if I steal your phone, let me see your phone, bro. If I steal your phone, if I steal your phone, you know, because you go to the bathroom and all of a sudden you come back, you're all, and you don't check for your phone before you go home. You go home and you go, hey, man, my phone's gone. I wonder what happened. You start calling all your friends and and you call me, because we're friends now, and I go, um, hey, uh, man, I'm sorry. I'll be praying for you that you can find your phone. <laughs> I'm praying for you, brother, right? And then finally, I get convicted. I see you on Monday, and I go, man, I really took your phone when you went to the bathroom. And by the way, let's go to In-N-Out. You go, but give me my phone back. I'm not, no, let's just go to In-N-Out. I mean, I stole something from you, but let's just go to In-N-Out. Figure it out. America has no solution. It was a Nicodemus. It was it was Zacchaeus. He said, "If I've stolen anything from anybody, I'll pay him back four times." It's called restitution. America has no plan for restitution for this, so I will help these kids find restitution. I will teach them. Somebody's got to go to the poorest kids in America and give them a biblical answer because the Bible has answers for all things. For that, all right. So, and that's what we do. We touch. We reach kids. Is there a pointer thing in Majigil here? All right. So we reach kids in these seven areas, and so financial literacy campaigns, we help them understand the four ways to make money, and we teach them cool things like this. My fifth grade band teacher, Mr. Pickens, he would always say, Kevin, practice does not make perfect, it makes permanent. And I didn't realize that he was, you know, quoting Vince Lombardi, he says, perfect practice makes perfect. Because if you practice the wrong thing, you'll just do the wrong thing really well. Right? And I realized Vince Lombardi was quoting Aristotle, we are, we repeatedly do. Excellence, therefore, is not an act, but a habit, okay? So I already know this because I'm an educator, and this is what I do every day with kids in classrooms. I already know that you're going to forget four out of the five things that I just said. 
Statistics, the data tells me that, right? You remember 10% of what you read, 20% of what you hear. So you, I'm not upset because you haven't been taking notes. But I do know that four out of every five things that I've just said, you're not going to remember. So if I, I'm not going to even quiz you on it. And that's what teachers do. They give you pop quizzes. I teach, I teach our kids, you're, all of life is a pop quiz. You're always interviewing for your next job. I'm interviewing for my next job right now. I don't even know it. You are, the way you walk in, the way you look, the way you introduce yourself to people, right? So I would highly recommend you to take notes when you come to church. See, he can't say that because he's the pastor, but I'm leaving tomorrow. <laughs> Why wake up, get dressed, come to a place like this, spend 90 minutes of your time so that you can forget four out of five things you hear? That makes absolutely no sense to me. Some of you are really busy people. And you're going to come in a place like this and forget four out of five things you hear? Makes no sense. The data says you will, unless you write it down. So you don't have to take notes. I'm not offended. I'm going to be in New York tomorrow drinking iced tea. <coughs> Probably not drinking iced tea. But anyway, like in the 1990s, y'all still love me? I'm still the, my pastor calls me Black Velvet. Y'all, I'm still Black Velvet. All right, we cool? All right, remember how you were laughing a minute ago? Don't, don't, don't get upset if I start coaching you. In the 1900s, we had these um, televisions with uh, antennas on them, right? And you had to put the tinfoil, and you had to get it just right so that you could see it. How many of you are old enough to remember that? Yeah. Wow, it's good. <clears throat> During that time, there were these waves going through the room at all times. The waves were flowing through the building. But if you didn't have the right device to pick up what was flowing through the building, you could miss it. Right? And so what I want to challenge you to do is pick up what God is throwing down today. Now, okay, I want to use some big words just to let you know I've thought about what I'm about to say, all right? I'm really just using big words to hopefully you don't understand all these words because you'll be impressed. All right, so here's the deal. None of us get an epistemological or presuppositional or theological past to interpret our individual or national history at our own discretion and remain biblical. We must allow the word of God to rebuild our epistemology, to refresh our presuppositions, and to renew our theology. What in the world does that mean? Epistemology is not what you know, but it's how you know what you know. It is the study of knowledge. It's how we take in information, contextualize it, and use it in our lives. It's called the science of epistemology. Every person here has an epistemological framework for everything in your life. I've got an epistemological framework for fire. Because my mom told me about I'm 54, so about, let's say, 52 years ago, she said, don't touch that. When she walked out of the room, you know what I did. I stuck my finger in the fire, and it burnt. So now, because of that, I've got a presupposition. Presuppositionally, I know that if I stick my hand in fire, I don't even have to ask you, hey, bro, we're friends now. So could you pray for me so that I can, we can figure out what might happen if I stick my hand in fire? No, presuppositionally, I go, I ain't putting my hand in there. I remember that from 52 years ago. I ain't doing that. That's crazy, right? So what I'm basically saying by that whole statement is just because I grew up in Louisiana in the mid-60s to the early 80s and I went to Methodist church, I don't get a pass to say that I can hate you because you're white. That's epistemology. I don't get a pass presuppositionally to say you don't like me because I'm black. I don't get a pass theologically to say, well, I can just interpret the Bible like them Wesley boys. John and Charles Wesley, remember them? They started the Methodist church. That's where I went. So just because I grew up Methodist, I don't get a theological pass. I have got to read the word of God for what it really says. 
Are you tracking with me? Yep. All right. Epistemology, presupposition, worldview, habits, and lifestyle. All right. So there's a growth continuum that happens in life. You get information. That's a brain. If you, if you live in information, if you process that information long enough, eventually the lights will come on and we can call it illumination. You ever read something in the Bible and you read it for the like 35th or 37th or 337th time and all of a sudden you go, oh my gosh, I never saw that before. That's called illumination. See, if, we, if this room was dark and you couldn't see anything and then we turned on the lights, illumination happened. But when the lights turn on, the chairs didn't all of, all of a sudden magically appear. They were already there. We just couldn't see them. Are you tracking with me? All right? So illumination comes usually after you've been challenged with information. Then there's revelation. You know when you got revelation on something because you can usually explain it. Jesus said to his disciples, hey, hey, who, hey, who, who do you all think I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, wow, flesh and blood has not reveal that to you. See, if something is revealed to you, you can actually explain it. You can articulate it. That's what the microphone is for. But microphone. Microphone. Brain, lights, microphone. Transformation is the next Asian. Not Asian, Asian. <laughs> My Asian brothers, y'all didn't think that was funny? I, I thought it was really funny. <laughs> All right. Transformation. You see, if I do this long enough, right? If I do stuff like this, if I do stuff like that, and like that, and like all those crazy, if I do that long enough, it will literally transform my muscles, right? But if I don't know what to do, if I don't have a revelation, if I've never gotten information, then probably I won't get the revelation and transformation, right? And then the last part is manifestation, right? And I'll show you a little thing here. So, again, back in the 1900s, Play basketball. And we're going to get to worship, but this actually has a lot to do with worship. So can you turn the lights on if you don't mind? Now, come to find out, my, my college basketball coach, I didn't, I didn't realize until much later when I, uh, when I began to study him, because my, my coach is the, uh, let's see where we're going with Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So my coach is the head of basketball at Baylor right now. But before he was the head of basketball at Baylor, he was with the Milwaukee Bucks. Before that, he was with... Um, Dallas Mavericks, before that he was at Colorado State, before that he was at um, Alabama, Birmingham, before that he was at a school called Union College. I went to that school. We like to call it the Harvard of um, that mountain range in Kentucky, yes. <laughs> yeah, that, it was the Harvard of that. And then before he was at Union, from 84 to 87, he was at Louisiana Tech from 80 to 83, right? Now, he didn't tell us this. But he was, an, he, was, he was called the GA, the graduate assistant, which means grunt work in basketball on a coaching staff. You do what the other coaches don't want to do. And they made my coach, Bill Peterson, who's head of basketball right now at Baylor, who did all those other things, they made him coach a kid named Carl for three years. And he had to, he had to take this kid, Carl, through all these workouts. He had to be in the weight room with him. He had to, he had to teach him how to handle the basketball. He had to teach him how to shoot. And this kid, Carl... What's crazy about it is that he taught us the same workout that he taught Carl from 84 to 87 at Union. But they made him coach this kid named Carl from 80 to 83. 
Well, when he retired, they called him the mailman, Carl Malone. Mm-hmm. My coach taught us the mailman workout. I know the mailman method, right? And I went from being a, a small forward. I'm not very tall for a basketball player. I'm wearing heels today. I got on my cowboy boots. Um, <laughs> but I went from being a small forward to a starting point guard, and I played a year professionally overseas, right? Because I did what my coach told me to do. Now, if he hadn't known, I used to be a professional, so you better hold this. Used to be. If he hadn't given me the right information that's, that made me go, oh, my gosh, I never saw that before, and then made me teach the ball, the ball handling clinic at our camps, and it didn't transform me to get from sitting on the bench to starting, then I wouldn't be able to do what I'm about to show you right now. And so whenever I walk into a gym and I watch kids with a basketball, number one, if they're walking to, into a gym with one basketball, I'm going, They've never been coached by someone who's coached the number two leading scorer in NBA history. I can watch the way you start your workout and tell you how well you've been coached. You never walk into a gym with one basketball. You always walk in with two basketballs. You do stuff like slamming the ball, but let's get to the two-ball stuff. He would make us dribble a ball on the wall and one on the floor. And then he would make us close our eyes, and I'm going, what in the world are you making me do this? It makes no sense, right? I'm a, you know, I'm a 20, you know, 19, 20-year-old kid. You don't want to listen to the coach. But then, a little bit later in life, you realize, this is what he was teaching Carl Malone to do. And no wonder I went from sitting on the bench to being able to play. Why would you do this? This doesn't look anything like basketball, right? What is, what, what is that all about? He said, if you do something with your right hand, do the same thing with your left hand. That has nothing to do with basketball. Why would he make us throw the basketball against the wall like this? Does that look like basketball to you? No. All right? But he said if you can make an accurate throw and an accurate catch, right? I don't know if you can see this, but it's starting to get amazing. All right? Um, let me see that one. Um, and then he said, because he would always tell us, he said, look, if you can dribble two basketballs, you can dribble one. If you can dribble three, you can dribble two. If you can dribble two, you can dribble one. Always make practice harder than the game. So when you get in the game, right, the basketball becomes like a part of your hand. All right? So... This is kind of like if I threw, if I just threw a hockey stick at John Blue, he would hold the hockey stick ah, different than everybody else in the room. And that's the kind of stuff you do. All right? I'll let you clap. Y'all didn't see any of that? It was phenomenal. It was so good. You've seen it. Jed's like, I've seen it before. It got slower, actually. It's not as quick as it used to be when I was a kid. Or, you know, you throw a hockey stick in this guy's hand, and he begins to handle that hockey stick. Y'all, y'all know he played hockey before? Y'all know? I don't know if you ever told him. He begins, it's your only story? He begins to do things with that hockey stick that normal people can't do. If I throw three pairs of tennis shoes, not one, if I throw three pairs of tennis shoes back there at Robert Owens, what are the three sizes? If I throw him a, a 12 pair, size 12 shoes, a 12 and a half, and a size 14 shoes, you know what he would do with them? He'd pay $40,000 to be with about 50 other people to get on a plane and run seven marathons on seven continents in seven days. They call it 777. He just did it. But you know what? He got information because his high school coach 
was one of the best swimming coaches in the world. He's sitting at college, his third year in college, and reads Sports Illustrated and goes, oh, my gosh, I'm going to go run this crazy thing called an Ironman. He was in the third Ironman race. Right? He was in the third one in Kona. Right? Am I right? Honolulu. So I was off. Still Hawaii. <laughs> Do you still run Ironman? Yeah. He still can swim all the miles. He still can run all the miles. He still can bike. Because of this right here. So here's what I'm trying to, here's the point I'm trying to make. People who have a level of success in an area, they paid the price to go through this process. So if I throw, let me see a, a physical Bible, because I use an electronic Bible. Who's got a physical Bible? All right, good. Now, I, I'm a teacher, so I like to give pop quizzes. You're not going to have to take it, right? But if I were to just throw this Bible at you nicely, toss it, right, and say, now tell me from that book, just teach me on prayer. Right? Now take it back and go. Uh, why don't you just teach me what it says about the inherent word of God, right? Uh, you know, biblical, the, the historicity of the Bible. And how can you, how can you trust it as an, as an ancient document, right? Now throw this to him and go, oh, yeah, you look young enough. How old are you? Ten. Ten. Good. That's long enough to change the world. All right. Um, <laughs> you tell me what does it say about evangelism, right? If somebody just threw you a Bible, right, how could you do on worship? Musical worship, stuff here. How's your worship knowledge? See, we all will invest time, effort, money, energy, and things that we really care about. Now, most pastors don't teach. That's why he brought me here to teach it about musical worship. And I'm doing all this basketball stuff, and y'all going, and, you, and I'm using all these philosophical words, and you go, what in the heck are you doing? I'm trying to build a basis to help you understand that whatever those five stones are, what was the first one? Repentance. Repentance. Well, somebody help him. Faith was the second one. The Word of God. We're worship today and truth tomorrow. I mean, I mean, next week. Veritas, right? It's in Harvard's, it's actually in Harvard's seal. Veritas, truth. So, if I went to your desk with you tomorrow morning, to your job, all, most of us in here have a, have a place to work tomorrow, right? You don't? You're waving at her in the middle of me talking? <laughs> I work with kids in the poorest congressional district in America. We talk about stuff like this in public, out loud, in English. <laughs> and then they talk in Spanish, and I don't know what they're saying. All right, so if I walked with you, if I, if I tagged along and sat at your cubicle, sat at your desk, sat in your corner office, and began to listen in on what you're going to do tomorrow to make money, I would be so lost. Like, what does that mean? What does that mean? What? I would slow you down so much because I'm not going to understand the terms. I'm not going to understand what the other person is saying back to you. I'm not going to understand why they're being scared. You follow what I'm saying? And all of us as children of God, we have a, a beautiful opportunity to go to the Word of God. Whose Bible did I steal? All right? To go to the Word of God and discover how God wants to equip us through this word to use those five stones. I'm, I'm, I grew up Methodist, and we used to call those things means of grace. That's just like black ink on white paper unless you believe it's the word of God and add faith to it. And then the words on that page can literally change a nation. This nation exists because of the words on that page. I don't know if you know that. You need to get, you must write this down. 
I'm not, I'll put it in your phone. I'm not moving on until you write this down. Because some of you still are not taking notes, and I'm dropping some serious knowledge. You must get a book called America's, America apostrophe S, God and Country. America's God and Country. You have to get a book called the Patriot's Handbook. You need to understand what the Mayflower Compact says. You need to understand, right, what the Old Deluder Satan Act of 1647 says. If there were no Old Deluder Satan Act of 1647, this building would not be here. It being the chief purpose of that old deluder Satan to keep men ignorant of the truth of the scripture, it is so ordered that any city that has 50 families must train their boys, must build a schoolhouse to train their boys. And if that township goes to 100 families, they must hire someone so they can be fitted to go to Harvard College. The motto of Harvard was, cursed be all knowledge that is against the cross of Christ. 106 out of the first 108 universities in America were built to train preachers. You learned that in your history class, didn't you? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. This building is sitting here because our founders wanted to make sure that we could read in America so that we could read the Holy Bible. The powerful thing about America's God and country, I feel like I'm yelling at you guys. I'm passionate. I tell my kids in the school, they go, Mr., you mad? I'm going, no, I'm just passionate about this today. They're like, you seem mad, though. <laughs> the powerful thing about America's God and Country is when you read that book, it's an encyclopedia of quotes. You read what the founders said to their loved ones. Right? So if you really want to know about me, you got to talk to her. You got to talk to my mama. You got to talk to people who I've done life with. Right? Because right now, I might be doing pretty good, but there are some things maybe between us that I'm not killing it on. She knows that. You don't. I mean, I'm like juggling basketball, singing notes, talking about philosophy. And she's like, can you take out trash? <laughs> like, you know what a dishwasher do? Like, can you use it? Right? I, I mean, I don't have to wash no dishes right now, so I'm cool. Juggle, juggle basketball. So, so here's what we're going to do. You've got something under your chairs. And what I decided to do, can I have one of those? I decided to do some homework for you. What time is it? 10.40. It ends at 11.30-ish. All right. All right. So, we're going to sing another song. See, brain, lamp, microphone, dumbbell. We did all that, right? We did epistemology. This is, this is not encouraging. We're only right here. <laughs> okay. And we got a lot of songs to do. All right. Yes. Yes, we have some more copies. Someone can take mine. Yes. There we go. All right, you're welcome. So, um, um, <laughs> I need a copy, though. <laughs> Ephesians 5 says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. That's an old word. Don't know what it means. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, and you will be filled with some Spirit. That's why the stores are called wine and? Yeah, yes. Because humans, we are spiritual beings having a physical experience. 
I am spirit. You don't see who I really am. You see my tent, chocolate, <laughs> formerly professionally built. <laughs> now it's, these jokes are not that funny, though, okay? <laughs> all right? So formerly <laughs> ripped, all right? And so, <laughs> yeah. but who I really am is this spirit on the inside, right? And hopefully, and then I have a soul, which is my mind, my will, my emotions. I think with my mind, I choose with my will, and I feel with my emotions. So my spirit is on the inside, right? That's how I talk to God. My mind, will, and emotions, that's how I talk to myself, right? And my body is how I communicate with you, right? And so the spirit, man, on the, we're all designed to be these spiritual beings, and that's why it's brilliant that the stores, people don't even know it, but they go, wine and spirits. You get enough of them spirits in you, you'll start acting a different way. Do the, do you, have you, anybody ever heard about somebody doing that? I've heard of people doing it too. It's amazing how much confidence people have when they have spirits in them. Right? But he says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you actually have the type of confidence you should have in your life. You can actually be who you're supposed to be. Right? And so, oh, you don't have to take them out. Oh, let her stay. Okay, anyway. All right. Uh, do not, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Um, this is a different version that I'm used to. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. So worship is vertical and horizontal. Right? Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making a melody in your heart to the Lord. Right? So we're going to sing this song, Our God, and we're going to get a chance to put this verse into being. Into, into action, into practice, okay? All right, so, uh, water, you turned into wine. We're talking to him. Open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you, none like you. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. I'm not singing that to him. I'm singing it to you, right? But then I switch back. God, you are higher than any. They're like, they're going back and forth in the songwriting on this jet. I don't know what they're thinking, but it's a great song. God, you are higher than any other. Uh, our God is healer. I'm talking. Now, he knows he's healer. So I'm not saying, I'm like, you know, I'm not saying, hey, our God is healer. I'm like, I'm saying our God is healer. Awesome in power, our God. And if our God is for us, then who can ever stop? I need the words. See, I used to always make fun of my mom for getting lyrics when I was a kid growing up, and now it happens to me. Uh, moral of the story, don't make fun of your mom, okay? <laughs> All right? And if our God is for us, then who can ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what can stand against? He already knows that nothing can stand against. He wants me to sing that to you. Because if you see me saying, just like some of you are smiling at me right, right now, why are you smiling at me? You know why, I'm, why are you smiling at me? It's because I'm speaking to your spirit. And your spirit is going, yeah, I believe that too. That's what's happening. That's what, that's why, that's what this place is supposed to be. I say, what makes you different than other churches? That's what I ask him. I say, what's the deal? Why do you want to build a church here that's going to be different? He's like, high level of relationship. Is that what you said? High level of relationship. That's what our world doesn't have, right? And so that, that interaction, singing to one another, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. All right. One more story. Hudson here? Where is he? There he is. I was, I was thinking about this the other day, you know. Who's, who's this? Who's this? I was thinking about <laughs> Huddy the other day. 
We're, we're watching him play volleyball. Okay, he's a, I mean, he's a hockey freak of nature, so I hear. Hadn't seen him. But, so we're, we're over there watching him play volleyball, and the dude is warming up, and he's wearing Vans playing volleyball. I don't know a lot about volleyball, but I do know this, that if USC was going to play against UCLA, the teams would not be wearing Vans. <laughs> they would be wearing the highest caliber of sportswear designed for that sport. You going to Pittsburgh Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday. You going to wear your Vans out there where you're skating, bro? <laughs> huh? No, you wouldn't do that because you're serious about it and you want to win. And so you're going to equip yourself to be most effective for your task, right? You know that's what worship does? It equips us to be effective for our task. That's why it's one of the five stones. I'm walking over here and going to try to not to do this. Hey, guys, let's sing Our God is Greater. All right, so this service is going to be just like this. We're going to talk some. We're going to sing some. We're going to talk some in case you were wondering, okay? I'm standing here because I don't want that to make a weird noise. Are y'all cool with that? Yes. It's what we're going to do even if you weren't cool with it. <laughs> just want to let you know. All right, here we go. Key of F, I think. Yeah. Here we go. You can stand up. If you don't mind. Oh, where am I? The words are there. Okay, I'll try it without words. Let's try. Maybe God will heal me. Mmm, yeah. Come on. Happy hands. Happy hands. Four ways to sing this song into the darkness you shine. Oh, out of the ashes we rise. There's no one like you. Unison right here. None like you. There we go. Our God is greater. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Higher than any other. Our God is Awesome in power, I'm God, I'm God. To the top. Out of the darkness we shine. Water, you turn to wine, sorry. Open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you. None like you. None like you. Into the darkness. Into the darkness you shine. Out of the ashes we rise, there's no one like you, none like you, none like you. Come on, declare, our God is greater, our God is greater, our God is stronger, God, you are higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome in power, our God. Is greater, our God is greater, our God is stronger, God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, and if our God is for us, and if our God is for us, then He can never stop us. And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? God is for us, and who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then 
side of me, I'm going, well, that's just my preference. You know, it's what I feel. But if you shoot three air balls, you sit next to the coach. <laughs> and so I, I just had to admit that that was my bad. All right, we'll come back here in a second. Now, on your sheets here, there are purposes of worship. See it? Apostolic placement. I'm going to let you do the homework. This is your homework that I'm giving tonight. All right? Apostolic, you study this on your own. Apostolic placement, prophetic listening, demonic relief, to silence the foe in the agenda. Uh, avenger to proclaim what he's done to inflict vengeance on the nations to carry the blows of God on his enemies God's goodness unity and this is the purpose of musical worship because all of life can be an act of worship remember in the chariots of fire um, when he his sister's mad at him because uh, he wants to run in the Olympics you know the, you know the story uh, what's the guy's name Eric Little right and his sister's so mad at him because their family's got a this work in China, this mission work, and, and, and all he wants to do is run, right? He wouldn't even run on the Sabbath. He was so committed to his faith, he wouldn't run on Sunday. And he actually won the Olympics in a race that wasn't his best race. But there's a scene in Chariots of Fire. They're walking in the countryside, and it's like he almost like he snaps. He says, Jenny, it's his sister's name. He says, Jenny, God made me for China, right? I'm going to do the mission. He said, but God also made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. So when you go and teach tomorrow, feel his pleasure. When you go and be a nurse tomorrow, feel his pleasure. When you go and CEO at your business, where you CEO at, feel his pleasure. All of life can be 
this act of worship. But what we're doing right here is musical worship. That's what you want me to talk about is this musical aspect of worship. None of us get a pass because we don't like the way our voice sounds. I used to tell people all the time when I used to teach this to kids, I'm going, you find a verse in the Bible. This is when I used to use paper Bibles. I said, you find a verse in the Bible where it says you have to have a good voice to praise God, and I'll eat that page of your Bible. No southern seasoning on it. (laughs) Right? All right? And so look at at Psalm 28.2. Hear my cry for mercy as I call for help, as I lift up my hands towards your most holy place. So some of you, it's, look, if you never lifted your hands in worship, it, it can be weird, especially in front of people you don't know. There's, I don't know, 75, 80 people in here, right? And if you're not, if you don't understand biblically why you would do it, I can see how you would not want to go, thank you, Lord, right? That's weird, right? But when you understand what it means biblically, and you've studied it for yourself, right? This happens all the time in life. Kids at stores, mommy, 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 mommy. Does that not happen? Candy, candy, more candy. Does, am, I, am I telling the truth? Mommy, when kids do that, they do not care about the other three-year-olds. They don't go, mommy, mommy, mommy. Oh, I wonder what that three-year-old thinks about me. Am I telling the truth? If they want something, they go for it. And they don't care who's listening. They don't care whose life they upset. You, you think... That mommy is better than your daddy God. Why wouldn't you go for it like that with him? All right? Um, you know, it's hard to receive if your hands are like this. Yeah, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, I'll take, I'll take whatever you got. Yeah, I'm good. No, I'm really receiving it. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Just like if someone called you tomorrow morning and said, hey, I got a $10 million deal for you. Oh. Yeah, let's do this $10 million deal. You're not going to sit there and go, okay, I'm listening. And the guy starts talking, or the lady starts talking. And they're giving you all these details and these numbers and these figures and these locations. You go, and they go, are you taking notes? They go, oh, no, I'm good. I got it. $10 million, I got it. It's all in my head. <laughs> I'm back on the taking notes thing. <laughs> you wouldn't miss that $10 million deal, would you? You get uh, assistants, um, secretaries, everybody. Everybody write down everything he says. Everything she says now. Would you not? You think what God has for you is more than 10 million bucks? I'm just challenging you a little bit. Remember, I get to leave tomorrow. Singing. Psalm 96. I just accidentally hit that. Psalm 96.2. Sing to the Lord and praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. If you've been saved, he wants you to sing. Sing to the Lord a new song. Shanda... Gosh, I always call her the wrong. Her name is Shauna, and her last name is Panda. Shanda like Panda. Chanda like Panda. That's why I'm confused. Shauna Chanda like Panda, not Shauna Chanda like Panda. Okay, good. We're going to get it. We've only known each other a few months, so we'll get, we'll get it right. Oh, that's just your black name. It's Shonda. I mean, that's, a, that's what they would call you in the hood. Yo, Shonda, what's up? All right, anyway, receive the blackness. Okay, anyway, so sing to the Lord a new song. For he's a, So sometimes there's a, a song will inspire a song, right? And so you might be singing, 
Our God is greater, our God is stronger, Lord, you are higher than any other. Sorry, my wife hears this all the time and through the wall on my piano. Uh, our God is our God is healer, awesome, awesome in power, our God, our God. And I might just get inspired to go, nothing like your power, Lord. You're greater than all. Everything I need is yours, Lord. Everything I need comes from you, my God. See, that, that when I was singing, our God is greater. Now, everybody not, may not sing it that way, right? You might, because you haven't taken time to learn the musical proficiency, and that's fine. And God's not going, well, if you can't be as proficient as Kevin in the key of F or G, then don't sing to me. He's not doing that, right? He wants you to, out of your own spirit, he wants you to sing to him. He wants you to be creative and tell him what's not on that screen, what's in your heart. He wants that out of his love relationship with you. I think that's what the Bible means when it says sing a new song. Praise. Look at Psalm 13.6. I will sing the Lord's praise for he's been good to me. Could you raise your hand if he's been good to you? Anybody? I will ask you to pretend. Okay. So then you have to praise him. Oh, you get to praise him. You don't, you don't get a pass. All right? You are my strength. I sing praise to you. You are my fortress whom I can rely on. If he's your strength, if he's your fortress, if he's your impenetrable protective barrier in your life, fortress, then David said, I praise him. Now, David, the guy writing this, is the only person in the Bible that it says was a man after my own heart. So the reason I, and I've only shared with you the Psalms here in this little homework thing I'm giving you because these, these, these methods or these expressions of praise, right, whether it's lifting your hands, singing, praising, bowing down, dancing, clapping, there's so many, right? I'm just talking about what's in the Psalms. But if you really want to go for this thing, for this musical worship thing, I challenge you to begin the study of the Scripture. And I've given you a pretty good little start here, but I'm just giving you what's in the Psalms, Right? And so as we do that, what we're doing is we're telling God that we love him so much that we will express that love in a way that pleases him. Because this dude is a man after your own heart. So if that's what David did and you love him that much and you compliment him that much, then I'll at least start with that. It's like when I found out that my wife loves coffee in the morning. Right? Early in our marriage. First of all, early in our marriage, I didn't realize that she was not a morning person. So being an accomplished musician, I would wake up singing songs in the morning. And I remember that was not welcomed um, very well. Leave me alone. I'm like, baby, don't you know that I love you? Oh, I'm sleeping. (laughs) Oh, girl, spend the rest of your life with me. Mm. Don't you love what I'm singing? Shut up. I'm sleeping. On our honeymoon, I got up and drove for three hours. Went and had breakfast by myself because I was so crushed that she would not receive my song. (laughs) Then I realized, okay, I am dealing with something um, powerful here in the morning that I need to learn how to deal with. And so I learned that if I go away and get Starbucks, crack the door open, slide it in before T-Rex can get me, (laughs) shut the door. And if I come back after T-Rex has consumed the coffee, 
then I might have a better conversation in the morning. Now, what I had to do is I had to learn how she wanted love expressed to her. Starbucks. God says, lift your hands, sing, praise, bow down, clap your hands. That's his love language. The only guy after his own heart. That's what he did. Let's start there. Yeah, but I grew up and I'm not expressive. It doesn't matter. You're not better than David. Oh, I'm talking to the men now. You might be tough, but you, you, you ain't better than David, bro. I'm going to just tell you right now. Uh, the dude, his, his ability with the sling to, to be, I mean, to take the, the greatest military warrior of their day, to take him down and to cut his head off and to hold it up like this and say, who dare defy the armies of our God? Amen. You ain't better. Ain't no dude in here. Ain't no eight, 12 of us as bad as that dude. If he sings songs, which you may think is feminine, if he lifts his hands, you got no excuse. Actually, when God wanted to go to battle, he would send the men out ahead of the army. And the men would sing. And when the men would sing in 2 Chronicles 20, that's what I'm going to preach next time I come back. If you let me back. <laughs> if I don't make too many people mad. He'd send the men out in front of the army. And when the men begin to sing, oh my gosh. Other armies begin to fight themselves and beat themselves off. Right? Those, those armies defeated themselves. And then the last army that was standing, it killed itself off. When men step up and lead in worship. All right. I'm not trying to be genderist, but I'm just saying that's what the Bible says. So what I want to do is I want to interview y'all. Because I want to know why you think this is important. Because you're the lead pastor. we got 24 minutes left. All right? What do you want to do? I want you and Chris to come up here. I want to ask you a question. Chris is taking notes because she don't want to get in trouble with me. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll come back. To, we'll, we'll go to Shanda's, I mean, her song. Shandala. 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 Is there grace? Is there grace in the house? Grace. All right, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to share just quickly, right? Or take as much time as you want. It's your church. And share with them why. Why do you want me to do what I'm doing here? Why, why has musical worship? And I want you to start with Austin, because you told me some things about Austin, and then tell me what, what's happening in the OC or share whatever you want. But that's how I want to set it up. No, I was, I was just telling him. He was asking me that, and it's Austin's where I really started to experience worship and really what, that I was, was, what it was about and that it wasn't about me. And it changed my, my whole perspective and then what I found was worship left this place. You know, I always tell you that church happens when you leave. Worship happens when you leave. We worship here, but when you leave, worship happens. And I found myself in my car, cranking music with bad voice, worshiping. I found myself in good times, thanking and worshiping. I found myself in difficult times, thanking and worship. And this part of worship that just changed who I am and who I was and and I want Chris to give a little background and for her too you're on your phone who are you calling really she's taking notes 
<laughs> any way I can so I don't get in trouble. Um, no, I actually wrote down the verse that he was talking about in Second Chronicles 20. In verse 21, specifically, the king consults the people, and then the king sends out the musicians before the armies. And what the musicians go out and actually sing is, Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. And so they're on the battle lines. They're getting ready yeah. to, to walk into this great battle. And they're giving thanks to the Lord. So they're showing gratefulness even in the midst of their situations. And they're saying his faithful love endures forever. They're not doubting. They're not questioning. They have an understanding of God's faithfulness and that he's still in control even when it feels like that there isn't control. And so in our situation that many of you know details about, there were moments where we literally had no answers and there was nothing that we could control in those situations. And so uh, many of my close friends know that I just keep Pandora on worship and I literally would just have it on all day long. And I, someone would come to the door and I would go, I can't talk right now. I'm, I would be just in worship because I didn't, we didn't know what to do in the natural. And I kid you not, and it's not always, but but in our situation, by the end of the day, there was some sort of direction. It may not have been the decision that we wanted or the answer that we needed, but there was some sort of response um, that I believe happened because the worship went ahead of us. Because in the spirit, something was warring on our behalf that we could not conjure up in the natural. And the just the last thing I'll say, there's a song that they wrote um, recently called All I Am Is Yours. And when they were messing, it's truly amazing to watch them kind of write out of their own worship. But they were sitting there the other night and they were trying to come up with the right lyric. And at one point they said, wait a minute, in this section, let's just rest. It's called a musical rest. And you know where the music keeps playing, but you don't sing a word there. And it became so much more powerful because there was a rest between the words. And for us in our lives, I was reading about this this morning, in our lives, when there's a rest or a pause, we think the song has ended. We think that God's wow. forgotten us in that moment. And we begin to grieve the season that we're in. Whereas the musician understands that the rest is just like a normal note. And so they observe it and they continue on just as if it, there was never a pause there at all. And so just that we would understand through our time in worship that the rest and the pauses that God gives us in the different seasons that we're in, we just continue to sing and trust him in that, knowing that he's battling on our behalf. Yeah, that's where you clap right there. That's good. I think I'll finish with this. As we're talking about throwing stones at the giants. Some of you have giants in your life, and you don't know what stone to throw. And I, I, one of the most powerful things for me was when I didn't know what to do and we worshiped yeah. and I, I remember nights because you know I play the tough guy on TV but I'm not and but I remember because I'd be in bed and I, I would hear her worshiping at three in the morning because the oppression just the enemy that that was in trying to take and we didn't know what to do and some of you don't know what to do you're going I don't know what to do worship Take the stone out of your out of your pouch. We've been talking. And how you throw yes. it at the enemy that is trying to destroy you, you worship. And you let God do what he's going to do. And that that's why we sit in here and we raise our hands. But if you see us, if you could go into our, our life, you would see that in our car. You'd see that in our children's room at 3 in the morning. I'm sleeping at 3. But she, and when she's up at 3 in the morning... <laughs> 
You would see that in my office yeah. on Sunday mornings before I come here. You would see that during the week. Mm. And when my heart breaks and I don't know what to do, I, I reach in and I grab the stone and I worship. And that is, that's throwing the stone at the enemy right there. Yeah. That's what it is. As simple as that. So that, that uh, let's keep going because that, that's, that's awesome. what it is. I love that you talked about the car. And why don't you all just remain seated for this one? This is, this is another song that we recently wrote. Um, and that's a great way just where you can, you can be vulnerable. Nobody <laughs> sees you or if people are flying by you on the highway. Uh, it doesn't matter. That's where I practice because, again, growing up Methodist, it was, it was so weird to raise my hand, but I just practiced while I was driving. And, um, yeah, work on, work on your intimacy that way. If I can just ducktail on that, kind of what all of you guys are saying. Um, you know, I can't sing your song of worship to the Lord. I have my own story. And my own heart that I'm pouring out to him. And my own requests and my own thankfulness and greatness, gratefulness of what he's brought me through. And you can't sing my song to him. But a lot of times we have this disconnect right here of you guys and us, you know. And then it's just us singing our song of worship to the Lord. And he so wants you to engage in that. You have your story of what he's brought you through or what you're in the midst of right now that he's bringing you through and walking you through and directing you through. Things that he's already brought you brought you out of that you are, are thanking him for and, and with a grateful heart and ways that you're seeking him. God, I need you now. I can't sing that for you. I can't express your heart of worship to the so I just invite you, there's, you know, times that you may know the words, times that it's, they're super easy and you can join in. Our heart is that you find Jesus and you connect with the Holy Spirit as, as you allow that relationship to happen, regardless of what's going on up here, regardless if you like the music, if you like the style, if you like the voices that you're hearing, if you, whatever, if it's not your thing. Um, or if it is, and don't let that be a, a distraction either. It's the anointing of God that breaks the yoke. And when he touches your life, you will never, ever be the same. That situation will never, ever be the same. So that's our heart for you is just that the Holy Spirit will just be contagious today. And you find if you have to go in the corner and suck your thumb or roll around at the roly-poly, wherever, who cares? We are here to find God. Amen.
fall down Let your name resound Here in your presence In the stillness I can hear you speak Let your word become alive to me In this moment touch my eyes to see
Shauna, and as they continue in this worship, um, before you come up, if you have a relationship with Jesus, the, the Bible says that, that they came together and they broke bread. It said this, in the night that Jesus betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body that's been broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And then he took the wine that represented the blood that was spilled for you and I. And he said, drink this in remembrance of me. And, and before you come up here, as they sing these next songs, just examine your life a little bit. Let's go. Maybe that's the prayer. I need your presence, God. I need your presence in my home. I need your presence in my car, in my job. I need your presence on, in school, whatever it is. I, I, before you receive these holy elements, just examine your life. See, worship is not just this. Worship happens when we receive communion. Worship happens when you eat those donuts out there and you commune together. Worship happens when we give. Worship happens when the word goes forth. So as we sing these songs, this next couple, it's the time that we also give you an opportunity to come and receive uh, communion. And it's also a time that one of the ways we worship is through our giving. So as they sing these next songs, just examine your heart before you come up. Let God speak to you. We need, we need your presence. We need a 
Great. 
it tells me so. try to cry and sing. So, so I was voting for crying sometimes up here. One more song? Yes. I just don't want to end with the fast song, although we're supposed to. I just want to stay in this moment, right? It's like, and that's what happens. You begin to get addicted to his presence, right? Yeah. Um, all right. All right. <laughs> Y'all all right? Uh, Blessed be the name. Put the word. Can you put the words up, please? There might be a way to get from here to there. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful. Yeah. The streams of abundance flow. Blessed be Verse again. Blessed be. 
what God might do. Right. Watch Amen. what God might do. Thank you. Thank you. You guys have just, everybody, just such a blessing. Um, you guys, uh, you know, this is an incredible blessing, but don't walk out these doors and, and not remember to be the church. Be the church. Let me pray. I want to pray for you guys. Say a prayer of thanksgiving and then pray for us. Father, I thank you for these powerful stones, Father, of worship that they possess, Father God, for Shauna and Claire and, and Kevin and Jed and Justin and, 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 and Steve and God, everyone up here that has led us this morning, Father God. But Lord, I thank you that we don't have to sound like that. In fact, God, I haven't heard many that do sound like that in this place. But God, we can go forth and we can worship. God, I feel like you, that this is a moment in this church. Something happened today. Something happened today. So God, as, as we leave this place, let us remember. Let us be worshipers. God, I know your presence falls when I'm in my car worshiping. I know your presence falls when I'm in, in the bedroom. I know your presence falls when I'm in my office. I know, God, when we worship, your presence falls. And I pray that, that the men and women of this church would turn off some of that other crap. Fall. We love you and we say thank you, Father. So, Lord, I pray a blessing over this church, the men and women in here, as they go, that they would be the church wherever they go this week, Father God. And the giants they faced, God, as they run to the battle, they grab the stone, they throw it at the giant, God, they will see victory. And they too will hold the head of the enemy and they'll say, Look at what God has done. Blessing, and we say thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 God bless. Have a great day, and we'll see you next week.
Thanks for listening to the Pacific Point Podcast. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you are encouraged today.